Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Hey, I'm Roberta Blevins, and this is Life After MLM, a podcast where we worked and the stigma of failure in an industry systemically designed for you to fail. Join us as we dive into the real life stories of survivors experts, and advocates to debunk the common myths and fallacies of cults, scams, and multi-level marketing. Hey, Hunbots and Hunbros. For those of you who follow along on social media, what a week it's been. Did you guys see that I was in Washington, D.C.? I know, right? I was in Washington, D.C. I got to speak at the MLM conference, and it was actually in person this year for the first year. It's the third year we've had the MLM con, and it was the first year that it was in person. Uh, Really, really incredible to finally meet a lot of the colleagues that I have been working with for the last few years, uh, to finally meet them in person. So it was really cool, and make a lot of really great, like, DC connections. Um, And there's so many I don't even know what I'm allowed to talk about. (laughs) I don't know what I'm allowed to say and what I'm not allowed to say, but there are so many things that are going to be coming up on the activism side and making real effective change, which I am so excited about. Um, I'm, I, you know, I got to do this kind of stuff with LuLaRoe and working with the Washington AG, and it was really such a wonderful time. Um, And then I started the podcast and I took a couple years off of like doing... (laughs) You know, like walking the walk and talking the talk. I was just talking the talk for a bit. And now um, I'm just, I'm feeling very empowered. Uh, and being in D.C. was a big part of that. Like being there and standing outside of the White House and like taking a picture and like checking out the monuments and walking around. And I don't know, I was really giddy with excitement. I was full of dopamine. It was just an incredible experience. I can't wait to share more about what we spoke about and sort of, the things that we have ideas for. Again, I don't know what I can and can't say, so I have to keep it under wraps for now. But I just want to say it was incredibly productive. It was really great. I got to meet a lot of really cool people and have a really fun time. I, you know, it was just, it was cool. It was just, I just had a really, really great experience. And um, part of that is because of you guys, you know, like, I had no idea that people in Washington, D.C. liked my podcast. And like, when I make jokes about, you know, paging the FTC like maybe they're actually listening (laughs) so those were some fun things to find out it just really invigorated everything and to all of my new friends that are listening (laughs) hi I know you listen now (laughs) 
So for this episode, we are talking financial literacy. It is one of the main themes of this year, so you will be hearing more about it. I'm really learning a lot, and I hope you guys are too. So I just wanted to say thank you uh, to everybody who has messaged me from all my call to actions about wanting to make some content together. I will be getting back to you. I am really busy. I know I say that all the time. But now that I'm back from DC, I'm about to hit the Pacific Crest Trail for a couple days. I will tell you guys all about it when I get back. But I am beyond excited. And again, I get to live my dream thanks to you guys and um I didn't even know this was a dream until recently, but no content warnings on this episode. So enjoy. Welcome back to another episode of Life After MLM. I'm really excited today. We're going to be talking about a little different subject, but it encompasses almost every single episode we've done. And I think it is really important to talk about. So I would like to welcome to the show, Vanessa. She is a family mediator, and we're going to talk about sort of how MLM brushes all of these topics. Uh, Welcome to the show, Vanessa. How are you? I'm great. Thanks for having me on, Roberta. I work currently, like you said, in the family mediation space, and I have a history of doing clinical social work. I have a number of credentials, and if anyone wants to be bored with all of those details, they can do a Google search and go divorcingadults.com. I am really excited. Uh, When I got your email, I was like, yes, this is something I want to talk about. So many different topics this year, and financial literacy is one of them. And in that comes divorce. And then, so your email came and I was like, this sort of like works all together. Let's create this sort of living document education and ask these questions and talk to the experts and and get some information. So today we're going to talk about what you see and sort of, you know, the whole reason you emailed me. So I'm going to, I'm going to pass it on to you. So yeah, I emailed you because I'm on TikTok and you're on TikTok and I didn't know you you were over there. And I I was like stumbling around doing something or another, like I usually am online. I thought some of your your videos were funny, your account was. I oftentimes will click any link that someone might have in a bio, mainly because I'm curious, I'm really into web design. I want to see what people are up to. And I was like, oh, this is actually a pretty good website. Like I'm surprised because that's not very common. And so I was scrolling around and it said something like, about your podcast. I was like, Oh, let me send this message. So let's get into it. What sort of, what are your specialties in family mediation and what do you see? How does MLM come into that space for you? So I'm certified in Florida as a family mediator and MLM's multi-level marketing companies and their business structure definitely doesn't immediately come into my uh, (laughs) work at all. Like there was no course on this in mediation, just to be clear, like the training at all. But, you know, if there's an issue, like, for example, when I'm involved in family mediation, something that's going to be standard or going to be a division of assets right? If people are trying to work out an agreement before they go to court and avoid court altogether, or maybe resolve some of the issues before they go into family court. And so if someone's in debt, which let's be honest, a lot of these MLMs don't work out for a lot of people. According to the Federal Trade Commission, most people are not making money because I've known people in MLMs that led to a factor into their divorce, you know, years ago. If there's debt, outstanding debt that's going to have to be dealt with. You know what I mean? So if you have, let's say $10,000 of debt from, I'm just saying hypothetically, because of an involvement in an MLM, right? Then that's something absolutely could and likely would come into family mediation if you're being honest on your financial disclosure information. And then of course, you can imagine the conflict involved about who's going to take responsibility for this debt. Like, especially if there's no assets and it's like all debt, right? a clear way of how it could come into mediation potentially as a conflict. 
what's actually I, what made me think there are some MLMs that claim that they're like a willable asset. Have has that ever come up where there's like I I want the business, the business is mine, and like having to split an MLM, or is it always just debt? No, and I actually haven't had anyone in mediation where they've come out and been like, oh, I was in an MLM. I mean, if they were, they didn't disclose that. Um, so it was never like a forefront issue in a mediation that I've been involved in, just to be clear. But no, and as far as willable assets, like mediators don't deal with wills. It, the way it would work basically with assets is that, let's say you have a house, right? Let's say the house, I'm just going to say just for argument's sake, is $200,000. And let's say you agree to divide that, sell it and divide it 50-50 between the, the two people. Well, then your 100000 for each party at that point would be your own personal monies. And then you can do with it whatever you want. If you want to put in your will, leave it to your kids, your family, whatever. You know, that's the way that would work. So if there's money from an MLM that was earned or debt that was accumulated that, you know, from being involved in one, participating in one, that's how it would go. It would just be your personal responsibility at that point after the divorce and everything's finalized. This is not legal advice. Just to be clear, I am not a licensed lawyer. And this is not advice to anyone in their personal situation. If you need professional advice, please find professional in your area to get it. This is just general information from what I've seen and experienced. It's interesting. I don't think anybody has really actually been like, that's my Amway business. How dare you? <laughs> so there were some things. And again, it's like, this is not legal advice and we're not talking about anyone specific. But I wanted to talk about maybe some of the things that MLMs, and this is going to get into like the psychological aspect of it. And that you did, you told me you had a mental health background as well. So yes. psychological aspect of being real sneaky, real mm -hmm. sneaky that leads that these are things that could possibly lead to ultimately a divorce that MLMs teach us. And so I was asking some friends before this and I'm like, what would you want to know? Like we sort of had this conversation, but one of the things that came up is that MLMs really sort of encourage you to hide things from your spouse, which is very dangerous and you shouldn't be doing that. But I remember like in LuLaRoe, you would hide things from your spouse because you were buying with your LuLaRoe card and not your bank card. So they wouldn't know because they don't see that account because it goes into your LuLaRoe account and you could just, and so that was a very sneaky thing. Um, and then also something that happened, which I thought was really gross, but I probably participated in it because I was in a cult. Uh, there were these forms that you would fill out when you would win, like when you would, you know, win the leggings or whatever to, to have them shipped. And it would be a form. It's like, what's your address, your email, whatever. And then at the bottom, there was like a checkbox that said, check here. If you would like us to add a note that says, congratulations on all of your free stuff. Just in case your husband asked about it, you could be like, oh, it was a giveaway. I won the giveaway. Like, let's talk about the psychological aspect of that kind of stuff. Yeah, I mean, obviously it sounds extremely deceptive. I actually was unaware that that was a thing, that that was happening at any MLM. Um, I'll actually go back to kind of my own background with MLMs. So I have fortunately, and I say fortunately because I'm here today because I do not agree with um, the business model. I've seen cultivated in multi-level marketing companies. And I say that because 
I really just want to focus on kind of like the business model, something I don't agree with the business practices, right? And there can be business practices and non MLM companies that I don't agree with either, which is true. So I'm 37 years old. And when I was younger, and of course, the internet did exist when I, you know, a while back, you know, 18, 19, 20, but not like it does now. It was a very different thing. And so the information, which I so appreciate about multi level marketing companies, it's everywhere these days. It wasn't when I was a young adult. And I remember from the time I was 18 through the time I was in my somewhere in my 20s up until probably age 30, getting these very aggressive, um, and I mean in person, not on social media like it is now, in person MLM pitches basically to try to recruit me. I'm not going to name any names of any of the companies, but I'm going to mention industries because I feel like there's so many in each industry it's safe to do. And so it was a beauty. These were beauty MLMs, a couple of different ones. And I remember where they wouldn't take no for an answer in these very hardcore pitches from very well-made ladies, by the way, trying to recruit me. I remember being put so put off by that because even though I'm wearing a little bit of makeup today, I really don't wear much makeup. And so, and when they encountered me, I was wearing zero makeup. And I just remember thinking, why would I want to join a makeup MLM? which I didn't know it was MLM either back then, but this makeup thing when I don't really wear makeup <laughs> daily. You know what I mean? Like, how am I going to like pitch that to somebody to wear a full face of makeup like this woman here when I don't even do that myself? Like now there's been an SPF skincare MLM. They might've had some success possibly recruiting me, but I was very put off by the level of desperation I would see in these people trying to recruit me. It's like, if this is so great, like, why are you like, pushing me so hard to join this thing. Like, what is this? Um, so as far as the psychological tactics, like you're mentioning about being deceptive, one thing I've noticed, because I've seen a number of women, because it's mostly women in these MLMs that I've seen historically, is that there are problems leading up to the joining of these MLMs more often than not from what I've directly observed. And oftentimes, I mean, they're marital discord, arguments over various things like children, finances, work life, career life, and they're looking at this MLM, they're being recruited into it as a possible solution to some of those problems, specifically financial. So if there's already pre-existing financial issues because maybe they're struggling financially to pay for basic bills or pay debt that may have already existed, then going to MLM, which I've seen directly this happen with multiple women, where they're required to buy so much inventory each month taking up space in their home, which is now another source of conflict and tension, not able to sell it like they thought they would. And instead of making money or spending money, right, then that leads to more problems. And this behavior you're mentioning with the deception towards a spouse, likely there was pre-existing issues. Like I don't, in my experience and observations, it's not like this was the only issue. There are pre-existing issues. Now this is just one more issue and it's a big one. You know, it's a doozy for some people. That is like, I'm sitting over here being like, my, my mind is exploding right now. I, I didn't even think about that. And, and it is, I mean, I talk about vulnerabilities and the vulnerabilities that would get you into an MLM. And I don't even think about marital issues or marital insecurity or just feeling vulnerable in that space or not as loved as you want to be or as, as the attention or whatever. And the MLM, it answers a lot of those things. You're going to get a lot of attention. You're going to get love bombs. You're going to get to people are going to tell you how amazing you are. I remember that. And even thinking back now, my marriage was never 
100%. I mean, we were not horrible people, but you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. I totally could understand. And, and that was one of the things I wanted to be more than Abby's mom and Charlie's wife. I wanted to be more than that. And so I was already mm-hmm. feeling insecure in myself being in this new body, this new lifestyle, this new future that I didn't really ever think that I would have. And so I was really, really, wow, wow. Like we just went super deep there. Like I didn't even think about that. And going in with even a tiny pre-existing condition and having the manipulation just create an even bigger divide with how predatory and deceptive their tactics are really just drives a stake right through the center of it, if it can. Well, what I've noticed too with imams is something that really bothered me because when I lived on and near this one particular military base in Washington state, because I was on active duty in the military and my husband was at the same time. That's how we met many moons ago. Anyhow, what I noticed was I've always been involved in business in some kind of capacity. You know, I've always been interested in business, learning about business or, and just doing different things, building websites. I've always been into kind of that side of things. I remember, and this was also before the MLM like movement came about where it's all this information online now and education. And I remember one of the military spouses, which are over 90% women, by the way, overall. So exact according to Congress had said to me, Oh, why don't you do things this way or, or that, or this or that. And this was before I knew the actual like language about MLMs, but I knew that it, I could understand and recognize at that point that these were not like your typical businesses. Like this was not like what I was doing. And so I remember trying to explain to them like, okay, well, this is not what you think it is. This is something different because even with the marketing the way it's historically been with the MLM business model is own your own business, be your own boss, have your own independence. And then it goes with that language that was developed over time about like boss babe and mom boss and all these different things. And so in this country, what I've noticed, unless you're in a certain elite circles and elite schools, there is a lack of education. I went through public schools all through grade school, even went to some public universities and I've gone to all different types of schools, public, private, all the things. But what I've noticed is there is a lack of focus on entrepreneurship and how to even start a business. How to, what is a sole proprietorship? What is an LLC? What is a PLC? All that terminology. Most people don't know anything about it. Most women that historically that I have ever known, and certainly they're being recruited into a number of these business structures, don't understand the difference between owning your own company and being an MLM participant. And so when I was at the military base, there was complete confusion. They thought because they're an MLM participant in these different companies that they owned their own business and that they were, like you were mentioning, independent, doing their own thing. If you don't have a basic business education and background understanding knowledge base, you're not going to understand that even the Federal Trade Commission explains like you're a salesperson in this business structure and this is what this is going to look like. And do you these are the attributes that you need to have? And do you think that this could work for you type thing? And most people aren't coming at it from that approach because they really believe that, you know, from what I've observed and read in the way it's been marketed and continues to be marketed in some cases that they are their own business owner, but they're not because there already is a business owner. There already is a company structure and you're just falling underneath that. That is the number one thing that I think is really tricky. If there was more education focus on entrepreneurship in this country, especially aimed at women, then I think that these tactics would be a lot less effective because women would already be doing their own things. 
It's really interesting uh, that you say that there isn't a lot of education in high school. I don't know about the private high school space, but in the public high school, at least 20 plus years ago when I went, there was not a lot. And even our economics class was a half a semester. Like it was not a ton of time. We did not learn a ton of stuff. It was very, very, very basic. And I do mm -hmm. remember like going into MLM and people being like, you'll own your own business. And I had mm -hmm. floundered around trying to sell jewelry at craft fairs and things like for years in my twenties, just to make extra money when I was younger. And so when MLM came in, the very limited information that I had about having a business or running a business and what they told me, it was so like, oh my gosh, I could do this. It's all done for me. I don't have to worry about marketing. I don't have to worry about color schemes or branding or even product development. And then I yeah. can own my own business. And then the yeah. other thing they'll do is they'll, they did this a lot in LuLaRoe, but I don't know. I'm sure there's other MLMs that do this. They encouraged us to take our like contractor position and mm. create an LLC so that we were like creating a business out of our position, mm -hmm. which is very strange. And a lot of people did, and they were running their consultant job through an LLC and then paying themselves from that. And it just, it was very strange. And I'm like, I don't know if this is what business is. Like, it seems very complicated. Mm -hmm. I was told to just open up a bunch of bank accounts and shuffle money between them. And that's how I could one, just, you know, put 30% in this one for tax and take, you know, 20% for here. Very strange, mm -hmm. very bad business advice. But again, I didn't know really anything technical. Mm -hmm. And I was like, mm -hmm. this sounds businessy enough. So what I learned about how I learned the basics, the most basic of basics of, of what I learned years ago was basically when I was, I attended some small business administration workshops, basically when I was transitioning out of the military, there were some different things offered. It's completely different now, by the way, the way that they set things up, they've done, they've really, they're constantly changing things, but there was in Washington state where I was stationed, uh, they offered some really basic workshops, you know, with this really nice lady. She had previously run a daycare business and then got into something else after that with her husband, another family business. And I learned quite a lot about the basics of business through those workshops, which I spent and maybe a few hours in total between a few days. And then they had a lawyer, very nice guy in the community come in and talk about corporate structures, basically the very basics of it. Okay. We're not talking about high level here. And that's how I learned about these things before that. I really didn't know much. And I learned by doing, I learned by doing things myself prior to that. And then thereafter. Head over to quince.com and grab yourself a little something something and support the show by supporting our sponsors. The weather's getting warmer, so it's time to say goodbye to jackets and sweaters and say hello to lightweight fabrics and classic styles. I have been taking advantage of the beautiful weather and getting outside for daily walks, and I cannot say enough good things about the Flow Knit High Rise Boyfriend Jogger from Quince. Seriously, running errands, doing school pickups, swinging by the farmer's market, or taking Jaja for a stroll around the lake, these bad boys are versatile. I love the deep pockets, the high waistband, and the internal hidden drawstring. They're quick drying, moisture wicking, antimicrobial, and the four-way stretch makes them so comfortable. They're made with 88% recycled polyester, and the Global Style Standard Certified Yarn dramatically lowers environmental impact by diverting landfill and ocean-bound plastic. 
not to mention using recycled claim standard approved dyeing, washing, and manufacturing processes with low water and eco-friendly dyes. They have become an absolute favorite, and you can save up to 59% off the high-end counterpart by shopping with Quince. Throw on a cotton modal scoop neck tee and some sneakers, and you've got a perfect effortless outfit. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash MLM for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash MLM to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash MLM. Do you ever wonder how much of your personal data is out there on the internet just for anyone to find? I promise it's more than you think. Your name, contact info, social security number, home address, even information about your family members. It's all being compiled by data brokers and openly sold online. This can lead to a lot of problems, including identity theft, phishing attempts, harassment, and unwanted spam calls. But now you can protect your privacy with Delete Me. Signing up for the service is super easy. Just provide Delete Me with exactly what information you want deleted, and their experts take it from there. They send you regular, personalized privacy reports showing what info they found, where they found it, and what they removed. I got my report and I was floored with the results. Of the 105 data brokers they checked, 83 of them had my data. Delete Me then removed 173 listings of my personal data off the internet, and they make sure that it stays off too. Take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me at a special discount just for our listeners. Get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeleteme.com slash MLM and use promo code MLM at checkout. The only way to get the 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com slash MLM and enter code MLM at checkout. That's joindeleteme.com slash MLM code MLM. The funny thing about MLMs business structures, though, is that in my experience, now that I've had some in life, it is, in my experience, easier to open up just because the sole proprietorship, I mean, okay, it depends on where you live. There's different permits or licenses required, but typically a sole proprietorship, it's just you, yourself, and I, and you, you just doing whatever you do. You may have like a reseller's permit to sell skirts, right, at online or something to buy in wholesale and bulk. If you have an LLC, I mean, it's as simple as if you know how to do the paperwork, which now there's free stuff online to tell you how to, you, you file some forms, you pay a fee, you have your LLC, <laughs> you know what I mean? And then you yeah. do what you do. And of course, if you're a professional, then there's a lot of other regulations potentially. When you join an MLM, what I've seen, and certainly the pitches that I've gotten, part of the pitches I've gotten, is you have to pay, I mean, you have to pay as much money for these kits as it would cost to actually open an LLC in a number of states I've looked at. And so, and that's just the beginning of that, right? And from what I've seen, if you're an MLM, you still have to engage in a very significant marketing, typically, unless maybe you're just very lucky, you know, there's a windfall or something, but most people don't seem to be. Um, and so you still have to have that know-how. And I know, cause like I'm on, you know, TikTok, I kind of go around and I watch from a distance some different things. And I see some of these different women they're in certain MLMs different ones and I can tell that they don't know the basics about business because of the way even their TikTok profile is set up it's not optimized 
I click on the link and it's like it, it, the, what they have linked doesn't really make a lot of sense for what they're trying to do. It's not really optimized. And so, you know, it's like you still need to learn these basic things. And so it, I think that it's safe to say, I mean, the people that I knew certainly didn't feel that what they got was what they expected once they joined. Because it's not, it's literally, you're being told this is a business, you're going to be a business owner, it's going to be so great. And then you get into it. And you're like, this is not what I signed up for. This is not a business. I'm not a business owner. I'm a contracted salesperson. I don't have any control of anything. I can't give a discount without maybe it getting back to corporate and me getting in trouble. I can't use the wrong font. We would get in trouble for using the wrong fonts, the wrong colors, giving discounts Mm -hmm. that weren't approved. We had certain like discount weeks. A lot of times Mm -hmm. you'll see like big discounts. It's because the MLM's letting us discount it for that week or that day Mm -hmm. or whatever it was. It was nothing that we had any control over. I didn't get to pick anything that came in that box that I opened. I definitely, Mm -hmm. if I did, I definitely wouldn't have gotten wet, stinky stuff. I would have definitely (laughs) opted out of that. So (laughs) I didn't have any control. And then when I saw that there was a problem being in a salon and running a business in a salon, very different than clothing, but there were certain things that I was like this, if it was the salon and the color was wrong, I would have gotten a refund and they would have like done a lot to make me happy. Like they would have taken care of me. They wouldn't have been like, bummer, put it in the freezer. Maybe that'll help. (laughs) Like, you know what I mean? Like, and and those sort of things were just chipping away at me. I'm like, but a real business wouldn't do this. And a real Uh business would care. And a real, and that's sort of where I started realizing. And I think a lot of people have these questions and they think, well, the real business wouldn't do that. Or if they actually cared about anything they're saying, they wouldn't allow this to continue to happen. These same problems that happen over and over again. And I think that's where a lot of really smart people start to realize this is a scam because even though I don't know a lot about business, I know enough to know that that is not what you do when whatever happens, happens. And I I think Mm -hmm. that's a lot of times that first initial, hmm, that's weird. That's where that comes from. Mm-hmm. You know, the Federal Trade Commission had some stats published about the success rates of MLMs versus small businesses. And it basically was saying over 99%, of course, and this is a well-known stat now, you know, people that are in MLM business models, participants are not coming away with money, Right. You know, the exact wording can be found in the Federal Trade Commission. Actually, like you mentioned before we started the interview, I've linked to that. And the reason I've linked even on my own like web links, you call it Linktree, but it's not Linktree. It's something else. Is because most of the people in my audience are women, right? And they would be in their women that have children possibly or, you know, maybe high conflicted relationships with their partner, and so they're going to be a great target because just what I've observed and what I've observed. Oh, so if they're looking for information and kind of curious about this divorce topic or family conflict topic, you know, it's like maybe keep on scrolling. If you're interested in the MLM things, so you can find the federal trade commission links, which are very helpful. They've done a great job. Whoever wrote this at the federal trade commission of like, like kind of an MLM breakdown uh, sheet of facts. It's just wonderful. It wasn't available, you know, all those years ago when they were trying to recruit me. Otherwise, I probably would have been like so much more informed. It's a really great resource. I, I believe it's Dr. John Taylor's uh, research that you have posted. Fantastic. 
Fantastic. 99.7% of people will lose money in an MLM. Which that's a really in-depth link. That's if you really, really want to read. The other two are really quick hitters. I kind of put those at the top because it's like, I think it's like one page. You know what I mean? Like a quick overview. If you just want to skim something really quick and you don't know about it. But the small businesses, according to the government, U.S. government and different agencies have posted, I'm pretty sure a Federal Trade Commission did too, that you know, a lot of people fail in small businesses as well. It was much higher, even though it still wasn't the most encouraging than the MLM stat. I want to say, and I could be wrong because it's off the top of my head. I want to say it was like 30 something percent maybe succeed in small business after so many years or something. I mean, the failure rate for businesses is very high. It's for sure high, but there's also a lot of serial entrepreneurs that may fail at one business and start another and fail and start another. And then they're learning off their failures basically. And then they get to that successful business at the end. There's a lot that can be learned and should be learned when running a business. And so if people want, if women want to be involved in running their own business, they should, they should, but they should look at all their options and get educated. Yeah. I thought it was a huge green flag on your website as a divorce mediator, family mediator that you had information about multi-level marketing being dangerous. To me, like anybody that is in this space and already knows that, that's one less thing that I have to worry about maybe possibly happening down the road. Like working with and promoting people that already understand that this is a problematic business industry. And I know that if people need your services or want to reach out to you for whatever, that you're not going to turn and be like, let me DM you, hon, and like, try to get them into an MLM. Like, that's so important. Do you know what I mean? I feel like that would be unethical. Uh, number but one, do it. In, in my line of work, uh, I've never, yeah, that's one thing Two, I, I don't explicitly state that MLMs are dangerous. Uh, I just provide direct links and the links have direct quotes of what it is I'm linking to. And it's all to the Federal Trade Commission and it's the information that they put out there. And I think one of the links also, it obviously covers MLMs, right? That's the topic, but also covers Federal Trade Commission's got really good about covering job scams is basically what they call them. When you're looking for a job, kind of what to watch out for, red flags, because there's a lot of it. There's a lot yeah. of it. Like on social media, the commercials, most of them that I'm seeing are these slimy, sleazy, scammy commercials. Like you can make so much money and you don't have any need any training or any skills and thousands of dollars a day. If you just sign up here and do this, it's like, if that is a scream, a scam, I don't know what does, you know? And so federal trade commissions put some information together about that as well. It's really important information. And I think it's good to, it's good to have it on there because you're aware and I think that's a green flag for anybody who would want to get into that because then they're they're even less likely to fall into that trap or think that it's a good idea. Yeah. And I, you know, just to be fully transparent and everything and not one-sided, I've known of supposedly um, two people in my community through the years that supposedly have made substantial amount of money through an MLM. But I don't really know the full details of that. And I have this bad feeling that there's something more to the story and they both seem to have been involved in like different things where they're making money, but I'm not really quite sure how they're making money. And they they are financially quite well off, it seems. But also, for sure, they seem to be particularly one of them at the top of the hierarchy, shall we say. They had recruited countless, I mean, I don't know how many people went to this thing. And the reason I know is because other people that we knew 
had become the recruits. And this was a, I'm just going to be general speaking. It was a wellness MLM. And so they were trying to sell wellness products. All right. Specifically related to like a diet and fitness stuff. And I just, there was a period of time, like it, it goes in roles, especially like the military community are particularly susceptible to this stuff because the unemployment rate is very high for the military spouses because they're constantly being displaced from state to state. A law was just passed recently, which I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole about professional licensing to try to assist with some of those things. I still don't think it's going to solve the problem entirely. That's a whole nother long story. I've done a lot about, talked a lot about that publicly. There's a lot of financial insecurity within the military community. There's a lot of uh, employment instability and security and unemployment within the military community, specifically with the spouses and a lot of discontentment and unhappiness. And, and so that makes them kind of these perfect potential population to try to recruit essentially. And so a number of them, there was, it goes through waves where it's like, I swear to God, it feels like everyone I, I've heard of or ever seen the face of in my community is suddenly a part of a specific MLM. And this was one of them. And they, this person recruited like all the people into this MLM. Yeah. That's how I assume that the money was being made was that they had recruited such a large number of people. And they actually recruited a number of men into it, which was really unique. So usually it's women and um, a number of men that were in the military at the time. One of them had told my husband, Oh, I've got this new business, you know, and talking about their like their business venture. And my husband was asking questions and he was like, no, you don't <laughs> like that. No, no, that's not that's not your business. It just goes in waves. Years ago, I was in Washington State. I swear I got all the women I knew, all the military spouses I felt like were involved in a beauty MLM all of a sudden. And I don't know who recruited them. I'd like to have met that person. Like who's recruiting all these people? <laughs> yeah. Well, another thing that I've talked about on the show with military families that's sort of also built in, it's not always the first thing that people think of with the MLM, but is community. So a lot of people, just because the military moves around so much, you're in a new place, you don't know anybody, you go to, you know, the next door neighbor military spouse wants to have a play date, you're really isolated. Right. And she's like, oh my gosh, you'd be perfect with what I do. Do you want to know what I do? Mm -hmm. And it's like, you can take this. If you move to a different base, then you have this, you can right. build up this thing and it's all online and MLMs will ship to military bases, even overseas, even if the MLM is not in that country, they can get away with shipping to the military base. It's shady and it's a loophole and it's, uh, it's unfortunate, but it happens. And it's definitely a recruiting tactic to be like, it's a community. It's a best friends. Like you're not going to be lonely anymore. And we're mm -hmm. all going to help each other. And we're all sisters. And it's just, it's very predatory. I will be honest with you. I, as shocker, no shock to you, probably I actively avoid anything that I think may be associated with MLM business structure or products, services, any of it, just because now that I've, there's so much more education out there. I've learned so much in the recent years, you know, I, I just don't want to support that business model. But with, in with that said, back before I knew all that, you know, those women I knew that were in the different beauty MLMs and stuff, of course I wanted to support them. So I bought some of their products. It was like bath type products and they were really good products. Like I don't have anything negative to say about the products I received just to be very clear. Like I don't have like an inventory of my house of every MLM product. So I really haven't been able to like test the full, I've done a product test of all of these MLMs. So if you've had a bad experience with MLM products, I'm really sorry. <laughs> I haven't tested them all. I think that there's probably, like, there are thousands of MLMs because it seems like they're everywhere. Yeah. How many thousands. are there? Yeah. I think there's been like upwards of 3000, but there's, there's several hundred, again, I don't know the stats off the top of my head, but like at least 600 active 
MLMs. It, there's a lot, okay. a lot. And I know a lot of them are based out of Utah. And so, um, and then also for full transparency, also a bizarre kind of story. So I'm not going to name the MLM. <laughs> People can probably put it together if they try. Okay. So, you know, Jody Arias. And- oh, yes. Yes. Okay. And the murder victim, Travis. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So it's been alleged. I'm just going to use the word alleged, even though it's everywhere. I've read articles about it. I couldn't believe it myself that he was a part of a legal MLM, which I didn't even know that there was an MLM or MLMs. I don't know how many there are in the legal industry that basically connects people to lawyers through a prepaid legal subscription. And just to be clear, this is not unique as far as prepaid legal subscriptions. This exists, period, regardless of the MLM business structure or not. Um, I've learned quite a lot about them in the state of North Carolina. I know it's a fact that they're heavily regulated through the North Carolina State Bar, which is great. Um, and there's a lot of requirements because they involve direct provision of lawyer services. Lawyers are involved providing services through these prepaid legal subscriptions. There's all different kinds of them, by the way. Um, well, is alleged that he was a high-ranking person in the prepaid legal subscription space that had an MOM arm to it is what I'll call it. Okay, so this is the part that gets interesting and involves me. So a while ago, I found out, I forget how many months ago, through word of mouth and very good like reviews online, like glowing reviews about this prepaid legal subscription service. So I joined through online, just the website. And I'm still a member of this. And by the way, that I did use the services one time and it was very good. I have a couple interactions. It's through a mid-sized law firm. And then I later found out that it appears, based upon what I read online, that it is the same company, possibly, as this true crime situation, you know. And just to be clear, I'm not saying that there's any connection between the true crime and and this company at all. It's just a weird, bizarre coincidence, right? Because this was like all the way across the country that these people were located and here there's this bizarre connection, right? To like me and this person supposedly that was in this um, legal subscription that also had an MLM arm to it. So I actually looked into it pretty deeply. And if it is the same company, everything, there is a regular part of the company where people can join online, which is what I did. And then there's a part of the company that is appears to be separate where people can sign up to be a basically MLM salesperson participant and sell these subscriptions. I'm assuming how, if this is the same company and if I'm correct, everything I read is correct and watch. Cause I just watched another video on this today before his interview, just to try to make sure that I didn't ima- have a weird dream. and imagine all this. If it is correct, I'm, assu- I'm assuming that the way Travis made his money when he was alive before he passed is by selling, and this is just a theory, speculative, because he was in Utah, he was LDS, because they are very well connected through their religion and all the stuff. I'm thinking that he, and they're very into business out there, Utah, they're very business friendly. A lot of people, LDS, they're LDS, part of religion, are business owners and oriented. I'm thinking that he may have sold the subscription as basically like a package to small businesses that had maybe, I don't know, 20, 30, 100, who knows how, 200 employees maybe. 
at a group rate discount. And I'm assuming that's probably maybe how he got higher up in the rank structure of the MLM. Cause that would make sense. Right. If that's what was happening, I could be wrong, but I'm just guessing. Cause I mean, just think how many subscriptions you have to sell to like one person like me to like get high up to where you're getting like making a career out of it. So I'm thinking yeah. that's what might have been happening here. He but, was very high up. He actually was supposed to be on his earned trip when he was that's murdered. Heard. Yeah. So everything I you said is correct. Um, I, I've extensively looked into this. I did a bonus episode like uh, last to 2021, I think. It was, it was a quick little one. But um, yes. And, and suppose she was, I think, one of his downlines. Oh, she was. She worked for the same, same one. They changed the name right that after the, the murder. One. To uh, distance the themselves from the crime. Yes. So that is the one I signed up for online. And like, they've got, they've got like really great reviews. Like I had no idea. And I mean, I was treated very well by the law firm. I had no problems at all. I mean, I haven't needed to extend, I haven't needed representation from this, but I do have periodic legal questions and stuff I need addressed for my own needs. I found out later when I was reading this article online about, you know, weird facts about the Jody Arias case and MLM that you may not have known. And I read it. I was like, Oh my God, I think that's a, what I'm a member of, but I didn't know it was MLM or had an MLM arm. And I wasn't recruited in that way as a client. I just joined online. Like you join anything for a subscription nowadays. Yeah. It's a bizarre connection between me and Jody Arias and her murder victim, Travis in this MLM world in the legal industry and it just goes to show are MLMs also like on the auto industry and I don't know are they selling like oil this episode is brought to you by Shopify do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system. matter because it's not a business. It's not real. It's a scam. It is a scam that is fueled by cult tactics because that's one of the only ways manipulative control that you can get people to do what you want without question is to manipulate them. And so the scam doesn't work without the cult. The cult works best with the scam. It goes in this thing. It's not really a business. It's, it's marketed as a business, but it's not. And it's like, once you see it, you see it everywhere. It'll be a business and you're like, oh, it's a great business. And they're like, oh, we also have an MLM. You're like, what? Like Dove Chocolate, like the chocolate company had a Dove MLM where you could like sell chocolate to your girlfriends. I didn't know that. Wild. It, it's not around anymore. It got shut down, but like, oh, it's, it's just, it's very performative. It's very pandering. And I think the more that we talk about these and these underlying issues and what 
professionals are seeing in their spaces as well that's all connected. I think the more that we can talk about it and the more connections we can make, the more red flag education we create and the more people go, wait a second. I, I experienced this at my job. I experienced this mm-hmm. in my relationship. I experienced this at my school, whatever it is. And mm-hmm. being able to really pinpoint th- those things and, and understand and like unpack starting at that spot and, and trying to figure out what everything is. It's, there's so many layers, like it would take forever for us to really be able to like explain it succinctly. It, it's just, it's, there's so much. Mm-hmm. So before we wrap up, there was something that was in your email that I really want to talk about. I think it's something that comes up a lot, a reason that people join MLMs, a reason that people stay and a reason that a lot of conflict kind of arises. Um, And I'd love to hear your thoughts, but it's sort of like the self-worth and the self-esteem and that sort of adventure that we go on. So self-worth, self-esteem, one of the biggest things that come up in my mind about that and what I've observed directly, it doesn't have to be specific to one gender at all or one type of relationship. It can really become ubiquitous are these bizarre, and I call them bizarre because they can show up in bizarre ways that you wouldn't expect, codependent relationships. So somebody has a low self-worth, self-esteem, low self-confidence, you know, they could be a highly intelligent person, even more intelligent than the person that they're being manipulated by. But if they don't feel confident, I mean, confidence is powerful, right? You can be, there is a cult leader. I was just actually watching this documentary. I'm not going to say which one it was on this culty show about this cult that's been in the news quite a lot. Um, And the person led everyone to believe that they were like a genius of superior intelligence, come to find out they're like average intelligence, but they had such high level of confidence that it just, and they weren't even that great looking either, by the way, they weren't like some supermodel. They're very average because it's a high level of confidence. They're able to really convince people and ultimately their followers of all these different things and get all this money out of these people and really lead people astray. Some of the followers are now incarcerated because of this cult and this leader, the cult leader is never getting out of prison again. Uh, I found out at the end of it. But if you lack that confidence, and a lot of times this is rooted in how someone was raised in their childhood, maybe past abuse that occurred in a relationship with a parent or someone close to them, like a loved one or a romantic relationship, and they never recovered from that. If they never recovered from that, regardless of their professional accomplishments, their level of intelligence, they're really vulnerable to end up in a codependent relationship, which basically just means encouraging the irresponsible behavior of another person. And this can play out in a number of different ways, but it's harmful for all that are involved. The person that is being enabled is never having to take responsibility and ownership of their own issues and choices that are leading to it. So it'll likely escalate over time. The person who is enabling the person, they may feel like a heroic problem solver, but at the end of the day, they're harming themselves because they're using all this time, energy, potentially money to enable another person. And what this has to do with MLMs is if someone has low self-confidence, and they're seeking something or someone else to prop up their confidence, it's easy to get involved in situations that you otherwise wouldn't be involved in if you had the confidence to be like, eh, I don't need that. Like, I'm good. I can do it on my own. If you really don't think that you can do it on your own, whatever it may be, accomplishing whatever goal you may have, personal or professional. Confidence, self-esteem, self-worth also has a lot to do with being and in, getting involved. Just, I'm not talking about MLM specific talking more like about domestic abuse, but just any kind of relationship that could become abusive. You know, if you are so lacking in yourself 
that you really need and crave someone to really prop you up, which we all have those moments in our lives, especially when we're vulnerable or in difficult life circumstances. But or if it's a constant thing where you can't recognize your own self-worth and need someone else to point that out to you constantly, then that can become such a high. And so almost, I don't want to use the word addictive because it's probably overused, but so something you crave so much that what would you be willing to do to keep getting that reinforced and that feeling if you can't do that for yourself? And that's where it's really dangerous. You can get involved in, it could be anything. It could be an abusive relationship, whether it be a romantic relationship, which frequently is common case, or it could be when these cult-like groups I keep, you know, like I just watched about the other day, yesterday, right? Or a high control religious group, which can feel look kind of culty, you know, and it could be a lot of different things, a lot of different things that you otherwise wouldn't get involved in. And it's, it's really interesting that you say that and, and having confidence and how powerful having confidence can be and mm-hmm. the codependency of being in a relationship where you aren't confident and you question yourself and mm-hmm. being in whether it's a one-on-one, a cult of one, or whether it's an MLM or a wellness retreat or whatever it is that you're in, the, the building up and the tearing down of people's confidence to keep them loyal, I guess. Um, Subjugated. Yeah. The, the codependency of MLM is really interesting. I talked about the, the dopamine addiction of MLM and the neurodivergency sort of thread where dopamine is uh, sort of like for me, I have ADHD and I have a dopamine deficiency. And so I'm always rushing. That's why I like hiking so much. I'm rushing, rushing, rushing towards that, that fun. And the MLM mm-hmm. provided that getting a new box every week, getting, th- mm-hmm. going to conventions, doing all of this, or being in a relationship, waiting for that text, getting the tag and the tag your boo or whatever. And like being in something that's so codependent and that you're you know, you say, I, you said, you know, when he was addicted, but craving mm-hmm. the dopamine mm-hmm. that you might not be getting and mm-hmm. you're feeling like, Oh, I don't want to do anything. Cause you're not getting into dopamine. And then all of a sudden something triggers it and you're like, <gasps> and you, you start these, these codependent relationships again, and you get in this cycle. And so what, mm-hmm. what do you think is the best way to kind of, to, to be confident, to avoid getting into these sort of situations? Well, I'm glad you're asking that question because I actually want to address that because I don't like uh, leaving people hanging out there with, you know, no, no kind of closure because it's just, it's a great to say, oh, we should, everyone should be confident, right? Should, like, everyone should be healthy. Well, what should you do about how to be that way? A couple of things I want to mention. People may start out being very confident in certain situations. And then if they're in a domestically abusive situation, specifically like a romantic situation uh, over a period of time, it could be months or years, be broken down to the point where they're no longer that person, especially if they their identity has been largely stripped through abusive tactics. Let's just say that. I'm just going to leave it at that. Okay. Now, on the flip side, mental health counseling from a competent, reputable, capable person, professional that is appropriately credentialed in your area would be a great starting point. Um, I used to work with people on these issues specifically. I don't anymore. So I'm not, this is not an advertisement. Don't reach out to me for these services. They are not being offered any longer from me. Okay. But I used to, and it was very much a focus of incremental steps to help people kind of self-reflect, evaluate, and build up their confidence over time. And so if you work with someone who's competent, capable, reputable, mental health, clinical professional in your area, Um, And I just really want to emphasize those words, what I'm saying, because a lot of people are advertising themselves as being some kind of like 
mental health person that they may not actually be. So yeah, these just life sure coaches, are, whatever you want to call it. So just make sure that like you are researching the person before you get involved in any kind of like service provision with them. Make sure you understand what you're paying for. So I just want to put that out there because there's just a lot of confusing people out there these days. But anyways, but if if you start on that journey, you know, with someone like I described as competent and capable and credentialed uh, mental health clinical service provision, then that is a great starting point to start to rebuild your self-worth, self-esteem, self-confidence. And I would say that's number one. And if you're, you know, someone who recognizes that they have these tendencies to be codependent, you know, commitment to change, readiness to change, and getting in with someone who's capable, professional as a mental health provider is a great starting point. Nothing is overnight. Anyone who tells you that, I don't, I would never believe, but it is possible. And a lot of times people just aren't aware or they're not self-reflecting at all. They're not able to, they're not at a point where they're able to, they may be in an environment where they're encouraged not to, because it's someone else's best interest for them not to self-reflect, especially if they're being abused in some way and being told lies about themselves. Like you're to this, your behavior is not that you need to be more compliant. You need to stop asking questions. You know, if you just did this and you got someone who's maybe on a mental hamster wheel going nowhere. I love that advice. Absolutely. What are some of your resources that you would refer somebody to? So this is a disclaimer. This is not specific advice to anyone. This is general information. Uh, if you need the services of a professional of any kind, find one in your area. But I basically, I feel like I'm a walking, talking disclaimer for legal reasons, as I said earlier, before the interview started. And so I have basically a list of national resources, hotlines, and websites of professional organizations that can provide people with the assistance that they need. I mean, if you're experiencing a crisis, call 911, right? If you need a professional area, please find one that's competent. I frequently, like on my TikTok, because they're such quick hitters, will have the National Domestic Violence Hotline posted with their website, thehotline.org, and then the phone number. But there's a bunch of different national resources, like a page I have listed out. I will provide you with that page so that you can link to that if you'd like to those resources. Thank you. Um, because that would be a good starting point, even just the websites. Like for example, the National Domestic Violence Hotline website has a virtual digital safety planning tool that you can go through. Anyone can go through 24 hours a day, seven days a week and kind of uh, you know go through a safety plan of how, even if they're not ready to leave a bad situation, how they might go about that and kind of start thinking through those things. So these websites have some good resources like that as well. You know, that's just one example for one topic, but there's yeah. others. And so just being able to click around, look at the information, share it with someone who you think needs it could be beneficial. Absolutely. And I think that's really important because I was telling you in the beginning that it was sort of like the great awakening for me when I realized that I was in a cult. And then sort of unpacking what that means and how I got there and doing a lot of self-reflection and and work on the back end that you know that people don't see and realizing what I was in and then seeing the red flags in my relationship and in the relationships I had with other people and realizing there was codependency and there was different issues that uh that I was seeing and I was like oh I see it and I think a lot of people get in that space they leave their MLM or they're in a space where they're like I think I'm in a bad space 
and they listen to the show. I know a lot of people that are actively in MLMs listen to the show because they email me and they let me know. And I know that they're listening and that they're working their way out. And so that's why episodes like this are so important because there are people listening right now going like, well, this doesn't really apply to me because I've already done this and I've already unpacked and I've already healed. But there are people that are actively in recovery from cults and MLMs right now that are listening, that are going, I don't know where to go. I don't know where to look. I don't know who to call. I don't know the website. I don't have a checklist. I don't even know who to ask. And so Mm -hmm. these conversations that we have, Vanessa, thank you so much, are so, so, so important because someone is listening to this right now and they are scrambling down notes. They are clicking the links in the show notes and they're going, oh my gosh, yes, I was just wondering yesterday how I was going to start this and they're listening to this today. And I think it's really important that this entire, leaving a cult space, leaving a domestic violence situation, leaving a one-on-one cult, a big whatever, anything in coercive control and high demand, it takes time. And, and the percentage of people that are like, oh my God, I'm in a cult. I left today and I'm great. It's a very small percentage. It's very small. If there's anybody like that, good on you, girl. It's very mm-hmm. small. It takes a lot mm-hmm. of time. I am actively in like the sixth year of working on it, having conversations, asking questions. And I literally in this conversation had two, like my own, oh my God, I never thought about it that way in this conversation, six years out of my recovery. So it is still actively happening every single day. Thank you so much for providing a safe space for people to listen and resources. I just, I just, I really admire the the work you're doing to help people and that you wanted to come and talk to us about this kind of stuff. It's very, very valuable and very important. Well, thank you for being so gracious, Roberta. Um, The one final thought I have is kind of like close with is let people know that it doesn't matter how intelligent you are. It can be the most intelligent person ever. Um, The reality is anyone can end up in a bad situation because when it comes to bad situations or abusive situations, and I'm just saying in general, I'm not speaking about MLMs at this point, just in general. Okay. It could be romantic relationship. It could be family, family relationship. That's bad. Could be, you know, a cult of some kind. you know, like what I just saw the other day, yesterday, it could be anything. It's really about power and control who has it and who doesn't. Power and control wheels, there's a number of different adaptations of them now. I encourage people to take a look at the different adaptations because you may see one on one website and um, there's so many different ones. And if you really look at that model and kind of apply it to different situations, it can be helpful in understanding how people end up where they're at because it's it doesn't mean that, you know, you're stupid if you end up in a bad situation. It, any, this could happen to anybody. Anybody can have been in a bad situation because there's lack of education in our public school system about abuse, about different types of abuse, about healthy relationships versus unhealthy relationships. So if you don't and know, you don't know. Absolutely. And I also think that it's, it's a very human thing to adapt to your situation. And mm-hmm. a lot of times these things, they, it's not abuse on day one. It's a little bit, it's a little drop, a drop, a drop. Until all of a sudden you look around and you're like, oh my God, I'm being boiled alive. I just was adapting every single time. And mm-hmm. you don't really see that. And it's it's important that you say anybody, any education, any race, any gender, anybody, mm-hmm. the person that's like, uh-uh, not me. Yeah, huh? Yeah, you, you too. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, the more conversations we have about this, the more awareness we create, the more people that we can help 
either get out of these or avoid them altogether. So again, thank you so, so, so much, Vanessa. I really, really enjoyed and appreciated this conversation. Thank you for having me on. I appreciate you. Thank you so much for listening to Life After MLM. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and share. And follow us on social media at Life After MLM Podcast and my advocacy at The Real Roberta Blevins. You can find all of the links to the social accounts in our show notes. And if you just listened to that incredible story and you thought, oh my God, I have a story just like that that needs to be told, hit me up, therealrobertablevins at gmail.com. I would love to have you on the show to share your story and start your journey in life after MLM. See you next time, Hans. Thank you.